such a, a tragic story and, and loss, and it really makes the message that I have to share with you today all the more important for us to hear and to listen and to make sure we communicate it to others. And, uh, you know, we began a few weeks ago with the journey of Jesus to the cross, and he left the Galilean ministry, and he began to make his way to Jerusalem. And we've been looking each week at some of the aspects of that journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. And this morning we want to continue in that. Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Turn and open there with me. Luke chapter 15. I want to talk to you this morning about the true aspects of salvation. Talking about making sure that we are in a right relationship with the Lord and making sure that we're concerned about others and their relationship with the Lord. The true aspects of salvation. If you look in Luke chapter 15, the opening verses reveal to us that Jesus had an attraction. And the attraction that he had was for those who were sinners, who were lost, who were considered by others as outcasts. Now, all of the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. So that opening verse, it says this, listen, they were tax gatherers, they were sinners, they were the people that were pretty much unacceptable in society, and yet those are the people who were drawn to Jesus. Those are the people who, who this passage says they were drawing near to him. They were coming closer and closer so they could hear the message that he had to share, and it was a message of salvation. It's interesting... If you look at the very next verse, how it defines for us, and both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. Okay? So the, the lost, the sinners, tax gatherers, the unacceptable and the outcasts of society, they were being drawn to Jesus. And Jesus was teaching them about salvation and about the heavenly kingdom. And those who were to be the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they began to grumble. This man receives sinners and eats with them. They said, man, what a horrible thing. This guy not only associates with sinners, he eats with them. And that day and time to eat with someone was, was a very intimate thing. It was a very personal thing. It, it connected you to one another. It's not like today when we leave church and, and we go to a restaurant and we sit down and we eat with, the, you know, 50 other people around us, right? This was a very personal item. And it was something that, that, that connected people in a very personal way. And so the idea that Jesus would eat with these sinners was just unacceptable to them. And so Jesus then turns and he begins to tell them what we call a parable. I believe really this is one parable that contains three stories. Oftentimes we talk about it in the light of three different parables, but I believe it's one parable that, that contains three stories. And as he begins to tell the parable, he's telling the parable to say to them, I am guilty as charged. Jesus is saying to them, you are absolutely right. I do welcome sinners, and I do welcome tax gatherers, and I do care about them, and I do enjoy eating with them because they need to hear the message of salvation. And so he begins to tell the stories. And I want us to understand today that as we look at the aspects of salvation and these stories that Jesus is telling, that there are two aspects of salvation. There is God's aspect, 
and there's man's aspect. There's God's outlook and man's outlook. There is God's sovereign role and there is our responsibility. And to tell one without the other is to neglect the true story of salvation. So let's dig in. Jesus tells the first story. It's the story of the lost sheep. Now, listen, the entire chapter speaks of lost things. Lost sheep, lost coins, a lost younger son, a lost older son. I would even say a lost father. Now, some people say, well, well, wait a minute. The father in the story, that, that's the Lord. Yeah, but he was lost without his son. Day after day, he went out longing, looking to see if he might return. He was lost, not in the aspect of the other lost in the story, but still lost. Because his heart yearned for and longed for the return of his son. There is nothing more challenging in life than being lost. I remember quite a few years ago, kids were probably junior high age and younger. My mother and father-in-law had a, a motor home. And we decided we wanted to take a vacation and we were all going together. Okay, so so we have have Buck and Judy and Janet and I and our three children, and, and so we have you know four adults and three children in a motorhome designed to sleep four people. You can imagine what that trip was like, right? And so we decided that we were going to go up and we wanted to go through through uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio and the Amish country. We wanted to make our way on this this RV trip over to New York to see the Statue of Liberty, and we wanted to get up to see Niagara Falls. And so we're going to make this big trip, two weeks long. Man, this was going to be a wonderful experience. And so we started off. And it was. It was a good experience. It was a lot of fun, some challenges along the way. And so we had never been to New York before. And, and we were driving, and it was getting late at night. A few things happened that made it later and later. We thought we were going to arrive earlier, and it had gotten dark, and it was getting later. And, and it just it seems that the closer we got in this RV, the smaller the roads began to get. And it went from an eight-lane, you know, to a six-lane, to a four-lane. It just kept getting more narrow and more narrow. And, and there was no shoulder, and, and the sides of the road kept closing in with the rails. And suddenly we see this sign that says, last exit before the Holland Tunnel. Now, we'd never been to New York. We didn't know the Holland Tunnel. We didn't know how big it was or small it was. But if it says it's the last exit, that might be significant. I'm not sure. I'm driving at this moment. I'm not sure that this thing's going to fit through. The, I can't see it yet, but I don't think it's going to fit through this tunnel. And so I go, yeah, I, don't know. I better get off. And so I turn off the highway, right? Well, we immediately are not on a side road or an access road or anything of that nature. We're in a neighborhood. And, and not a very good neighborhood. It's one of those neighborhoods where you see a lot of people out on the streets, what we might would classify as hobos or homeless people. All of the homes had bars on the windows and the doors. I'm pretty sure there were some of those chalk outlines, you know, on the street side as we went by, you know, and all of these things. And guess what? We have no idea where we are. We're lost. Lost is not a good place to be. It's a little scary. It's uncertain. We don't know. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know what the move is. We don't know what direction to take to move forward. Or, or are we moving backward? And we're trying to maneuver our way through this little neighborhood. And suddenly I see a, a gas station. Now, it wasn't... Much of a gas station. There were some pumps, and there was a little building about six by six, and that was it. 
And so we pull into the parking lot. I think there's some lights, you know. I think, oh, goodness, at least there's some street lights and, and things, you know. And so I go over to, to, the, uh, to the little booth where, where the guy was that attended to the, the service station. And, and so I said, listen, man, I need to ask a question. We're lost. And he responds to me in some language. I don't know. It wasn't the English language, and I had no idea. And I said, you know, English? No, uh, no English. I'm just like, oh, boy, this is bad. So I see a taxi, a cab, you know, and I think, oh, surely, okay. Number one, he's got to know his way around. He's a taxi driver, right? Number two, he's got to be able to communicate with the people that are going to ride with him. So, yeah, here we go. I go over and I say, hey, listen, I need to... He speaks to me in a language, not English language. I'm like, oh my goodness, what in the world? And all of a sudden, there's this van. You know those, like those custom vans that were kind of like a camper van? You know, back in the day combination, not the things you have today. But they were big, but this guy standing beside it was bigger. I mean, he made the van look little. And he goes, hey man, what are you looking for? And I'm like, do I answer him or do I run? I'm not sure which, right? But I'm lost. And I'm desperate. I need some type of direction, someone that can steer me where I need to go. And so I venture. <laughs> yeah, man, so we're looking for, and I begin to explain. He goes, oh, I'm headed right that way. He said, you're going to follow me. He's going to tell me this. And he says, we're going to get out here a little ways. Is there going to be a, a Y in the road? And I'm going to go right, and you're going to need to go left. I'll, I'll wave out the window, and he says, you'll know exactly. He said, once you, you make that, that connection, he said, you'll be fine. I said, okay, thanks, man. I, I really do appreciate this. He said, now, one thing. When we go out of the parking lot, you can't go left. You've got to go right. We're going to go down here. We're going to go around under the bridge and come back up to get going in the direction we need to go. Hmm. Okay. Because when I look at the road, it looks like left is okay. It doesn't look like that's an issue. So why does this guy want me to go right? I begin to question things, right? So he gets in the van. I get in the motorhome. What, what choice do I have? So I follow him. And we go down under the bridge. And I'm not kidding you. It's the inner city, New York City scene from a movie. There are barrels with fires and people standing around like this. And you're going, okay, where are tomorrow's headlines? Oklahoma family, you know, disappears and the motorhome is found in the, the, you know, the Hudson or I don't know, you know. But guess what? We go around under and we come up and the guy not only leads us when the Y happens, he doesn't go right. He goes left and he leads us exactly where we needed to go. But we were lost. And lost is not a good place to be. Jesus begins to tell the story, and he says, hey, there's the shepherd, and he had all these sheep, and one of them was lost. Lost is not a good place to be. Hey, there was this woman, and she had some coins. One of them was lost. Lost is not a good place to be. Hey, there was this dad, and he had these two sons, and one of them was lost. It's not a good place to be. And we read Luke, the 15th chapter, and we read about being lost. And we understand the story of lost. Then he tells a second thing. And, and as we look in that, it's the story of God's sorrow. It, it's the fact that, that the, the great God of heaven sorrows over those that are lost. His heart aches. 
He mourns those who are lost. God's heart is broken because of the lost condition of people to the point that He is motivated to do something about it. And so in their lostness, God says that it brings me great sorrow. We see the father who's grieving. We see the shepherd who goes out in the middle of the night looking for his sheep. Hey, he didn't make some of those little cool posters and post them on the board and say, Hey, lost, if you see this, call this number. He went himself into the dark, into the, into the, the, the rough area. He was looking for that which was lost because he mourned the loss. His heart was broken over the loss. The woman, she got up in the middle of the night. She, lo- she lit the candle to light the house as best she could. And she began to move everything in the home and sweep every corner of the house looking for that which was lost. God's heart is broken and full of sorrow over those that are lost. The third thing is this, is God's struggle. God struggles with the loss. He takes every measure possible to bring the lost home safely. And He prepares for their return. We see that in the story of the, the lost son. Because listen, when we get to the end of the story, remember what happens The day that the son finally comes and the father sees him and he runs out to greet him, what does he say to the servant? He says, hey, hey, get the the best robe. They knew which robe that was because it was prepared. Hey, hey, go get a ring. They knew which ring because it was prepared. Hey, Hey, go get the sandals. They knew which sandals because they were prepared. The father was prepared, waiting for the return. Hey, go get the fatted calf. Why? Do you think that calf had been fatted up? Why, why do you think that, that he had, had beefed up this cow? Why? Because he was preparing for the son's return. He was longing and waiting and looking for him to come back. But not only did he, he didn't just didn't stand around wringing his fingers saying, Boy, I hope he comes home. I hope he was preparing. He had the, the robe. He had the ring. He had the sandals. And he had the calf prepared. He was ready in anticipation for the return of the Son. And brings us to the fourth and final and most important thing I think of all. And that is the story of God's joy. At the end of every one of these lost stories, the lost is found. And every time the lost is found, there's joy. Celebration. In fact, if we look at verses 6 and 7, it says there is more joy in heaven. There is more celebration in heaven over that one lost soul. And every time it's found, the woman calls her friends and they celebrate. And when the father's son comes home, he gathers all of his friends and he kills the fatted calf. And there's a feast and there's a celebration and there's the joy of the kingdom of heaven because those that were lost have been found. Those that were dead have been made alive. And the kingdom of heaven is a place that celebrates when the lost are found. And we read these stories and we could spend hours talking about every one of these stories. But the message is simply this. They're lost and they're found. And God made preparation for them to be found. And when they were found, there was joy and celebration. That's the story of salvation. 
What's the aspect of the humans in regards to that? You and I and those that we know is we have to respond. That son had to get up out of the pig pen and come to his senses and say, I'm going home to my father. He had to make that choice. Father couldn't make it for him. No one else could make it for him. He had to make the choice. And so he gets up out of the pig pen and he chooses to go home to the Father, not expecting the reception that he would receive, but he chose to go home. You and I have to choose. What is our relationship going to be with the Father? Are we going to be lost or are we going to be saved? Are we going to be wondering what the next step is and where the future is or are we going to know because we have been found, we have been saved, we have been rescued through the grace of God. Well, this morning, the choice is ours. And for those that you know around you, maybe they're family, maybe they're friends, maybe they're co-workers, the choice is theirs. And you and I have a part to play in making sure that they know the choice is theirs and that they know the God of salvation who sorrows if they're lost, whose heart is broken if they're lost, and who is prepared for them to come home that he might receive them. So this morning, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And the invitation is simply this. If you're lost, you have a chance to be found.